All right, if you have your Bibles today, the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, I'm going to throw a curveball to those who have helped me plan. The book of Nehemiah, I want to start in chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, I'm going to read one verse, then we'll go back to chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 2, would you stand to your feet in reverence to the reading of God's precious word. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 20. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we his servants will arise and build. You see that? The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Amen. That verse alone instills hope within my very heart. Amen. When I look back in chapter 1 then, chapter 1, verse number 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left, of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Do you see in verses 1 through 3 the heartbreak of Nehemiah, the heartbreak of Jerusalem, the heartbreak of a nation. Do you see it? They're in great affliction and reproach. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned with fire. But by chapter 2, verse 20, they've gone from heartbreak to hope. This morning I want to preach on how to turn heartbreak into hope. Father, would you help us to preach this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The America that I knew as a boy is gone. And I say that with a broken heart. America has been taken captive by the world, the flesh, and the devil. Thank God he has blessed America He has given us abundance, but our abundance has turned to greed. God has given us freedom, but our freedom has turned to license. God has blessed our nation, and yet our nation has become the most sinful nation. The media reports crime, violence, murder, drug addiction, alcoholism on each and every hand and yet I believe this morning there is hope. Our nation needs to repent. Our our nation needs to return to the Lord. And when I look this morning at Nehemiah, at the Jews, at Jerusalem with heartbreak, God can turn it to hope. I see them with problems. Do you have a problem today? Four people. Anybody have a problem today? You do? Good. Because God 
can turn your problems into possibilities. God can turn your heartbreaks into hope. God wants us to see our problems as potentialities, as opportunities. A Christian should be one who sees an opportunity with every problem. But we don't always do that. How are we going to turn our heartbreak into hope? Number one, you must visualize the problem. In Nehemiah's time, the people of God have been taken captive. They've been carried away to a foreign land. Nehemiah himself is serving as the king's cupbearer in Persian captivity. Uh, he meets someone there in Persia who has recently visited Jerusalem. And he asks them, he says, how are the people of God, how is the city of Jerusalem doing these days? Nehemiah's friend, Hanani, his chin began to quiver. Hot tears began to run down his face. He said, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Nehemiah, he says, you cannot believe the degradation of our nation. You cannot believe the desolation. You cannot believe the danger. You cannot believe the disarray the people live in. The gates are burned with fire. The walls, Nehemiah, are broken down. The streets are filled with weeds, with trash, with debris. Violence reigns on every hand. And the people live in hunger. The people live in poverty. The people are impoverished. And the people are greatly discouraged. May I stop long enough to, today to say this to you as we think about our nation. What are walls for? Walls are for protection. They're for separation. They're for identification. But the walls are broken down. What do gates speak of? Gates speak of liberty. Going in, going out. The gates speak of freedom. The gates and the walls speak of the glory of God that has long protected that great nation. But the walls are fallen and the gates are burned with fire and the people of God are in despair. This week as I was on vacation, I'm telling you I'm seeing a nation that is in great despair. People get angry so quick, jump to violence, drinking, drugging, they forgotten. I'm telling you, our nation, we have forgotten God. It is unbelievable how we have departed from the glory of God. That's where we are in America today. Now, what is it that we can do about it? What did Nehemiah do about it? He's just one person. What did he do? He visualized the problem. Though he's living in the lap of luxury in the palace as the king's cupbearer, he's going to become involved in the problems of that great nation. I begin to think about the walls. The walls of defense are crumbled. We said that walls were for protection. In America, our borders, our walls have fallen there is open warfare on Christianity today. We are losing our spiritual legacy 
and that our forefathers have fought and bought for us to have today. Freedom by freedom, truth by truth, being taken away from us as the devil comes around and takes it away at will. We've seen the collapse of morals. We've seen the disintegration of the home. We have seen the highest crime rate our nation has ever seen. And this is the harvest we've reaped for taking prayer and the Bible out of schools. It's the thing we're reaping, the harvest we're getting, because we have forgotten and forsaken God. We need to rebuild the walls. Our walls of defense are crumbled. What about our domestic walls? They are collapsed. I'm talking about our homes. America's homes are in trouble. You're looking today at the devil has leveled the full artillery of hell against the American home. And our homes are becoming disaster areas. What about walls of decency? They're crushed. What was horrible yesterday is acceptable today. And it's ready for something, a stepping stone for something worse even tomorrow. We just accept anything that the media throws at us. We ceased to be shocked. The drugs and the alcohol in our nation is unreal. In our schools, the Bible is out. Prayer is out. Evolution is in. Homosexuality is in. Transgenderism is in. And God is out. And I have a problem with that. I remember as a boy reading about George Washington kneeling there to bow at Valley Forge in the snow to pray. But today in your textbooks, those things are taken out. They don't want to talk about it anymore. Listen to a verse, two verses of Scripture. Proverbs 6, 26. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can a man go upon hot coals and his feet not be burned? Can a man feast on garbage and his health not be affected? What you are watching, what you are seeing in the media, on your TV, on your social media, all the drinking, it's causing our young people to become tolerant, accepting, and practicing. And it will lead to something they cannot control. Walls of decency are crushed as men parade themselves openly, unashamedly, nakedly before young people all across our nation. This business of drag queens marching up and down the street, unacceptable in our nation today. And yet I'm telling you, they have more rights than the preacher to stand on a street corner in Wisconsin and preach the word of God and he gets arrested. Something is wrong in our nation. And if we had enough men 
with a backbone of godly grit that would get in the pulpit and put before our young people what is right. I am convinced our nation could turn around. But instead, we got a bunch of pussyfooting preachers who won't preach or practice the truth because they want to be socially accepted. I'm telling you, y'all, the walls in our nation are crumbled. They are crushed. They are collapsed. And somebody, starting with me and you, need to get busy rebuilding them. Preacher, you're making me mad. Good, at least I'm making you something. The walls of doctrine are chiseled away. Society is trying to erode away the truths of God's word and promote a social gospel. In Nehemiah's days, the walls have come down. And as a result of the walls coming down, God's people live defeated, discouraged, and in despair. And I'm telling you, when you look at our nation today, the reason you're so discouraged, the reason you live in despair is because you've lost hope, because of the problems, and because of the heartbreak that we see in our nation. And it's because the walls have fallen. Would you help me arise and build the walls for the glory of God? They're living in survival mode. Problems, heartbreak, dilemmas, issues. So because of those problems that are so big, they're living in survival mode. Church, we don't need to live in survival mode. We need to live in revival mode. Revival is where there is life. Preacher Darren, that's what survival is. Listen, when you die in survival, you're dead. Our churches, if we're not careful, are going to die out because we're living in survival mode and not revival mode. Those young people, though they may not be a great number of them, they need to see that we still worship and serve Almighty God. That in our homes, we still have a standard called the Word of God that we live by. When you have no walls, you are defenseless. You are disgraced. Look with me in verse 3. Underline, if you will, great affliction and reproach. Why? The wall is broken down. The enemy can come and go at will. The gates are burned. And I'm telling you, Nehemiah was living in Persia in the pleasure palace. And when he asked a report of what was really going on, he visualized the problem. Today, you are living in your warm little nest. God bless you. You see there are problems out there, but you are largely unaffected. You are so safe, it's sickening. But the devil is coming for you. He's bringing people in and he is recruiting churches to be acceptable of this current social lifestyle. It makes God sick. Will you with me visualize the problem of the walls that have fallen and the gates of the standards of God have been burned with fire, the fire of hell.
Number two, after you visualize, my voice is going to go, after you visualize the problem, number two, you need to agonize in prayer. <clears throat> Once Nehemiah heard what was going on, look what he did in verse four. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. I just told you this morning what's going on in our nation. And though it stirs us and makes us angry, we're not broken about it. He said, I mourned certain days and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. It is a prayer of contrition. After he visualized what he heard, his heart was broken. Do you know what's wrong with us today, church? You want to know what's wrong? We have forgotten how to weep. Jesus wept at the graveside of Lazarus, at the pain and the affliction that that family was going through. Jesus wept with them. I can show you in my Bible over and over again. Jeremiah wept over his nation. He was driven to tears. Man, the things I saw this week, what little kids are having to grow up in, what they're seeing right now, what mama and daddy are involved with. Dare I say this morning, what the young people in this church are involved with. And we have no idea. They look like the finest young people. But the devil is selling them lies, deceit, deception to cause them to come accepting that it's okay this week. We were invited to church where we were on vacation. Wonderful. And they said, and you can have a beer while you're there. And they got a great attendance. And it's what they do. And it's okay. And it's practiced. And all the time now, they're seeing these superstars sing the music that they like to hear on the country radio about God and country and then talk about have a beer. You see... The devil is just selling them a lie. You'll see these big stars get up and say, oh man, I'm a Christian. I got saved in prison and I'm this and I'm that. And cuss every other breath. That is not what a real saved believer does. And it's breaking my heart. Nehemiah wept over the nation of Israel. Our problem is... We've become a dry-eyed church in a hell-bent world. When's the last time you shed a tear over some soul, over a family in peril, over somebody that's mortgaged their soul to the devil? The things that break the heart of Almighty God ought to break our heart. We ought to be weeping over our church. This place, y'all, ought to be filled to capacity for the glory of God. We ought to be weeping over our children. We ought to be weeping 
over unconverted souls. We'll be weeping over the state of our nation. Oh, you strike up a conversation about what's going on in the White House, you could talk all day. But let's talk about what's going on in my house or your house or the house of God. Let me tell you where it's starting. It starts here. I want to tell you something. Right now when I'm preaching this to you, some of you have said, you're just an old dude. You had another birthday this last week, so you're even older than you was before you left. So we don't want to hear from your generation anymore. Let me tell y'all something. If we turn our country over to what I just saw, dear God, we're in trouble. I'm telling you, if we don't get a burden, if we don't get, I'm telling you, I feel God calling me. I don't know. He's calling me to stand. He boldly, courageously, if it gets me kicked off of Facebook, and I don't give a rip about Facebook anyway, amen, I love the book, the Word of God. He has a prayer of contrition. He is weeping over the state of the nation. It's also a prayer of confession. Confession? What's Nehemiah got to confess? Look at verse 5. I said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes be open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now, day and night. For the children of Israel thy servants and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee both I and my father's house we have sinned. Underline that. Both I and my father's house have sinned. There is his confession of sin. We need a national confession of sin. When you look, these all start with the letter P. When you look at America's public, when you look morally at our nation, our values are in the gutter. When you look at America's pews, melancholy. I'm going to church today. I'm telling you, we didn't come in worship mode. We didn't come in praise mode. We didn't come broken. We Listen, we just come in to make the donuts and go back to the house. I'm telling you, the apathy and the neglect in our churches is unbelievable. What about in America's pulpit? Where are the results of preaching the Word of God? i tell you why. We're seeing what we're seeing. Our pulpits are no longer the ministry of God. It's become the ministry of men. And the ministry of men will fail you. I know churches that worship, worship. They worship the singing service. They worship the presentation. I'm telling you, honey, it's not about worship professionalism. It's about worshiping God. National repentance, though it's necessary, is no good if there's not individual repentance. 
he confessed his personal sin. Now I know this, it's not time for finger pointing in America, but it's time for you to confess and repent of your own sin. You know our problem? It's easy for us to confess and talk about the sin of somebody else. But let's talk about our sin. You know what God said? If my people, which are called by my name, that's not always these people out yonder somewhere. That's you and me. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. All this that's happening under our watch can be laid right at the doorsteps of the church. We're failing to preach and pray as we ought to. We're failing to live as we ought to. It has become a monument to our failure. Hold your place here and turn me to the book of Romans chapter 14. Here's a verse of scripture. Romans chapter 14. I want to look at, I believe it's the 22nd verse. Romans 14, 22. Middle of the verse. Happy. You see that word? Somebody say amen. amen. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. You see that? Won't confess our own personal sins. Oh, I'm telling you, it's a prayer of confidence. He begins to pray. He says in verse 6, both I and my father's house we've sinned. Verse 7, we've dealt very corruptly against thee. We've not kept the statutes, nor the commandments, nor the sad statutes, nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Verse 8, remember I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn to me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Woo, hallelujah. He's praying in confidence based on God's promise. And he believes God. Don't you say, preacher Darren, it's too late. If you say that, you're saying that God can't restore us. There's nothing too hard for God. With God, nothing shall be impossible. You're insulting God's power and God's ability to say he can't do it. Amen. As long as there is God, there is hope. He prays in verse 11, a prayer of commitment. Oh Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. 
for I was the king's cupbearer. Here's a man living in the lap of luxury. Here's a man with responsibility to bring the cup, food to the king, to do the taste test, to make sure there's no poison in it. He's a man that can't look sad or sullen because if he does, the king thinks he's given me something that's going to kill me. He's always got to be upbeat and happy. I'm telling you, he comes in with a most intimate relationship with the king and now he's removed from the danger. He's removed from the degradation. degradation. He's got a place of security. He's got a warm little nest like we spoke about. But he feels called of God to get involved. He says, Lord, I'm leaving my comfort zone. Lord, I'm leaving my little nest. And I'm going to step out and stand for the cause of God and right. Church, we are called. Preacher, I know it's you. He's calling us, me and you, as a church, to step out from others and make a difference and make an impact to influence for the cause of God and right. He's calling us. What an opportunity. What a God. And how unable we are to do this. Thirdly, and I'm done. Not only did Nehemiah visualize the problem, he agonized in prayer. Thirdly, he organized in preparation. Here's a man that began to pray. The king looks at him and says, Nehemiah, why are you sad? You don't seem sick. What's wrong with you? Chapter 2, what do you need? And Nehemiah breathes a prayer and he says, Oh God, help me as I answer the king. Verse 4, he did three things and I'll be done. This is where we are today. We can visualize the problem. We need to agonize in prayer. But we've got to get organized in preparation. You know what he did? He asked the king for permission. Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? In other words, what do you need? King Artaxerxes has asked his cupbearer, What do you need from me? You're burdened about your nation? What do you need? Look, look where Nehemiah took his case. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Don't forget that God is the king of kings. And before we do anything, after we prayed, we need to ask for God's permission. He needs the king's authority. Verse number five, I said to the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldst send me unto Judah, under the fall, under my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, For how long shall thy journey be? When wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I set him a time. He's asked permission. You know what I've been doing? I've been asking God for his blessing. 
for his hand, for the king of kings to place his hand upon my life, upon us, that he might use us for his glory. Are you with me? Are you with me? We're asking his permission. Then he asked for the king's protection. Verse 7. Moreover, I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river that they may convey me over till I come into Judah. Between where he was in Persia and Jerusalem was hostile territory. May I remind you that the world is not our home. We're pilgrims. We're living now in Satan's headquarters. Hell's domain, that's where you live right now. And if you're going to live here, you need the king's protection. He said, I need letters. Whenever the devil jumps me and the world jumps me, I need letters to say, I have the authority of the king. Preacher, how in the world am I ever going to get that? I got the king's letters. I've got the king's permission. I've got the king's authority. Honey, when was the last time you realized you are sent by the king of kings with the authority invested in all of heaven to go forward for the cause of Christ? Do not be afraid. Do not cower in fear. Stand for the cause of God and right. You are called of God, amen. You have the letters from the king. Verse 8, ask for the king's provision. A letter unto Asaph, the king, keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. He said, King, I need some provisions. I'm going to need timber from the king's forest. May I say this morning, what we need is the provisions of the king of kings. May I say this this morning? This is what I found out. God's work is never stopped by insufficient funds. I ain't found it one place where insufficient funds stop the work of God. You know what will stop it? Insufficient obedience. Insufficient faith. Insufficient commitment. But never insufficient funds. You worry about money. He said, we're going to work on our security system. And we've got all this debt. <sighs> what on earth shall we do? I don't work for you. I work for the king of kings. Amen. And he's asking you to give. But if you want to be stingy and don't, your business. But God will get it. Because his house will not lay without the power and the presence and the blessings and the fruit of Almighty God. 
You're awful courageous to stand up. Honey, I'm telling you, I've seen what God can do. Honey, he's done it before. He'll do it again and again and again and again. We can stand for God and right in our nation without the funds because we have the King of Kings provisions. He will make a way when there is no way, amen. Here's your problem. You're constantly asking God to give you what you already have. What God wants from me and from you is your obedience. He wants your faith. He wants your courage. He wants your trust. Well, I'm going to say here's a big word. It's a bad word. I'm going to say a bad word from the pulpit. Some mama better put your ears, your hands over your kids' ears because this is going to sound bad. You know what he wants? Lord, I don't know any other way to say it than this, Lord, but this, I'm trying to, ref- no, I can't rephrase it. Here's the word. I'm going to say it. You're going to be mad. Somebody's going to get mad. He wants your commitment. Don't let Billy hit the word commitment because we're not that. We don't know. We don't want to have commitment. Your word of commitment's putting somebody down in the hospital and having them committed. God is looking for a people. And a, I'm telling you, Luke, man, we need a group of committed young people in this church to set the woods on fire. I don't know if there's one or two that's interested, but I wish, Lord God, some young person say, you know what? I'm sold out for Jesus. I'm committed. I'm not going to taste that alcohol. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to get faithful to the services. I'm going to read God's word. If I could influence just one, or two, to make a difference today. Three, four, five, six, seven. If I can just influence a few, it's enough to turn Spruce Pine around. Amen. Oh, Lord. You know what we got to do? I'm trying to quit. We have got to get off sitting on our bottoms and get up and start inviting people to the house of God, bringing them in. It's time to rebuild the walls of our nation. Time to rebuild the walls of our churches. It's time to reset the gates. I remember as a little boy, had old bull, had run into the gate, knocked the gate right off its hinges, run right through it. Grandpappy, and my daddy went down there and said, what are y'all doing? He said, we're resetting the gate. Where's me a farm boy somewhere around here and say, preacher, I'm going to help you reset the gate. Where's the block mason in this church that says, preacher, I'm going to build on that foundation. We're going up a few more levels. Where's the ones that set the windows? Where's the one that start putting some framework in place? at Bethel Baptist Church said for me and my house we're going to be there we are committed I'm tired of the heartbreak heartbreak must turn to hope today two shoe salesmen went to Africa both with different mindsets the first one got there with all the shoes he put them in packaging and sent them back with a note that said No one here wears shoes. 
cannot sell any. The other salesman said, send all the shoes you got. Nobody has shoes. Everybody needs them. If there's ever been a time for revival in our country, it's now. If this church has ever needed you to get involved, it's now. Richard Aaron, I don't know what I'm signing up for. If I knew what I was signing up, honey, I'm telling you, if you're willing to stand courageously, you ought to get in this heart and say, God, I'm willing, just show me what to do and I'll stand for you. I'm telling you, God's calling some mama. God, God bless you. God's calling some daddy. God's calling some businessman. God's calling some grandma, some grandpa. God's calling some young people. Oh, God, weep your way to him. Visualize the problem. Tell him our walls are broken down. Agonize with him in prayer and beg him. Beg him, God, organize me. Prepare me, Lord. You stand to your feet. I'm done. God's moving today. Would you move with him today? Who'll be that young person? Come on right now, oh God. Help me to know what to do. Lord, I want to serve you. I want to serve you. Folks are coming. God bless church, I'm telling you. I'm going to be honest with you. It breaks my heart that our entire church is not on their face before God and saying, oh God, please help my family, Lord. Please, God, Build the walls of protection, a hedge of defense over my family. God is looking for people to be committed. I'm asking you right now, church, would you come? God's moving. Would you move today? Come on right now. Keep coming. Father, this morning, we love you because you first loved us. God, as we bow in your presence, we tell you, both I and my Father's house, we've sinned. Lord, it's why we're in captivity. We're wicked. We're flesh. We're ignorant. Forgive us, God. We know not what we do. Having been warned, having seen the walls crumble, crushed, chiseled away, having seen the gates burned with fire, how our heart does break. Oh God, please forgive us, Lord. I got a grandbaby, children growing up in this world, headquarters of hell, right here amongst us. We need your permission. We need your protection. We need your provision today, God. Cause our church to revive. Help it to build up. Help our God to stand in the generation in which we live. Touch us. Lord, we stand today. We're called to this moment to step forward and bow and ask you, Lord, move us as we go forward, help us under the authority of heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.